Today I want to share with you just a very simple principle and the message is filled with a lot of things, uh, with a lot of allegories, with uh, movie reviews, with deep revelations. Uh, and I believe there is something for everybody in this world today. So today I want to speak about the standard of maturity. What is a standard? A standard is the basis of comparison. It is the benchmark, the barometer, or the example. If I were to say, the length of this stage is approximately 7 meters. Clint would say, no, I think it's about 10 meters. Then Elmi would say, no, I think that's about 100 meters. Everyone will just guess as to the length of the stage. But when you take out a standard, all guessing has to subside. What standard is it that you will take out to measure the length of the stage? A measuring stick or a measuring tape. Because everything in life needs a standard. If there is no standard, everyone will do whatever their hearts desires. Everyone will just feel that whatever they do is right in their own eyes. And there's a scripture that says, Narrow is the way that leads to life, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Because the broad way has no standard. Every one of you here, in your homes there are standards. In my house there's a standard. A certain time of the day, the gates must be closed. The doors must be locked. Everybody must be in the house. And these are things that we do without thinking because it is ingrained in us. But there is a standard of maturity that we as the believer must go after with all of our hearts and with all of our lives. Because this standard of maturity is a divine standard. It speaks about how we become representatives of the Lord, whom we call our King and our Savior and our Lord. You know, I had the opportunity to speak on stages where the music was on great levels. You know, they had all the instruments and all the musicians, the best singers. And I remember on this one stage, I said, do you know that um, the purpose of man is not to praise and worship the Lord in singing? And the people were shocked. It was like cold water was poured upon them. Because people put everything they can into singing. And they think that is the standard of the representation of the Lord. Singing is one way of us worshipping him. But the greatest form of worship that we can give unto the Lord is how we represent Him. You can have the most beautiful voice, the best singers, the best instruments and sound equipment and lights and all of those things, but the hearts of those people could be dark and full of sin. And so the highest form of worship, you have to hear this, is how you represent the Lord in your daily living. And that alone sets a standard of who you are. 
It sets a standard of your character. Today we are speaking about the standard of maturity. When I was at school, uh, standard 8, more standard 9, standard 10, amongst my friends, I was considered to be matured for my age. And I know many of you probably hear that about yourself. It's because I would have a more clearer judgment of things. I would be slow to jump into something. I would be slow to go on a move. When someone would come around and say, we're going there, uh, put on your clothes, I would be very careful because my judgment was a bit clearer. And that speaks about your maturity, how you measure up things before you become part of that thing. And my friends would tell you that I was actually the boring person because life to them was quick, quick. And they would always bring me in trouble because of how quick they acted. Uh, maturity is something that is not defined necessarily by age, but by the disposition in the decisions that we make every day. Maturity is not defined in our age, but in our disposition in how we make decisions every day. Amen? Most of the time we make decisions based on temporal gratification of the flesh. Like December was a perfect example of that. December people made instant decisions and they just spent money without thinking. It's because everyone was spending money. Everyone was going this way and that way. Today you are in debt because of your lack of maturity. Because of how you handle your finances in December. Today some of you are so convicted and feel like a sinner. And feel like you have failed God. Because December was the silly season for you. But we thank God today that there is grace for your immaturity for your lack of judgment, and that God will bear with your weaknesses so that he might bring out the best in you. I have recently watched a movie called A Wrinkle in Time. It is a science fiction movie, and you know I like science fiction. But this movie was very, very intriguing to me because the intention of the movie was to bring another alternative to the standard of truth. The movie is about a father that went missing. And isn't that just very relative to today's life? Fathers that went missing. Now this father was a, an astrophysicist that found out that he could access another dimension without using a Star Trek spacecraft. And the only way that you could access or enter the other dimension was in your mind. And in the movie, it so happened that the father disappeared. But it doesn't show how the father disappeared, but the father disappeared for four years. That in itself is true, how fathers disappear from their children. Anyway, this father disappeared. And... The children, the daughter and the son, wanted to find out where the father was. 
And so they had all these questions concerning faith and concerning the life beyond. And it just so happened that in their search, that lo and behold, three astral travelers, as they are called in the movie, appeared to them. And the names of these astral travelers was Mrs. Witch, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. What. And it's just so funny to me. That it's just funny that Oprah Winfrey would be the Mrs. Witch in the movie. And in the movie, she wore the biggest ring on her ring finger. And you know she's not married. And you know Oprah Winfrey subscribes to another doctrine. She believes that there's many ways to get to God. But she believes that the, that the easiest way and the most common way that everyone can subscribe to is, it is the belief of the universe as the higher power. So that when you die, you become part of the universe. And everyone forms part of the universe. If you do not teach your children the ways of the Lord, Oprah Winfrey will, Dr. Phil will, all these uh, motivational speakers will teach your children the alternative. And your children will subscribe to it because your children's minds are very vivid and it's filled with fantasy. And that's why you, when, when children are still small, they have imaginary friend. And it is because their, their imagination is so great. And today, I have read about a sex change performed on a five-year-old child. It is how liberal parents have become with their children. Whatever the children wants, let's give it to them. In this movie, let me just finish this review. These are the three astral travelers, the trinity, of which Oprah or Mrs. Witch is the mightier of them. And you can see how uh, the liberalism of women is being pushed in the most opulent places of rule. And Oprah is just part of it. There are many things involved in democracy. And democracy is the alternative, but it is not the standard. You have to believe that. It is the masses that crucify Jesus. And today, democracy has even infiltrated the house of the Lord. In so much so that the house of the Lord believes that they are powerful if they are many. But the, Lord, the Lord's measurement is not in the many. I want all of you to hear this. The Lord's measurement for your life is not in the much. It is not in the overflow. The Lord's measurement in your life is not how you increase in goods and fare sumptuously and how your barns are filled with plenty and your vets brim over with new wine. That is not the measurement or the standard of heaven for your life. It is about exact representation. Now, whenever you hear the word representation, you must connect this word to maturity. When the Bible speaks of Jesus as the firstborn son, it speaks of him as the, he's the first one. He's the example and he's the template 
not in eternity, but in our generations. He's the firstborn son in our generations, in time. And this son is the exact representative of the father. Now, he is not the perfect representative. There's a difference between the word perfect and exact. Perfect means you have become perfect. But exact does not require a becoming. It means that you are. And so, when Jesus is the exact representative of the Father, He has all the virtues, all the celestial attributes of the Father is locked up in Him. And when you read that He is the firstborn among the dead, a firstborn among many brethren, that firstborn speaks about His genealogy in time. Amen? Some of you might have heard this in school. And some of you might have maybe played the games. But these are dangerous games. Astral projection is a term used in esotericism. It's another form of uh, religion and belief. It is used to describe a willful out-of-body experience that assumes the existence of a consciousness called an astral body that is separate from the physical body and capable of traveling outside of the physical body through the universe. It comes from the concept of astrology. And many of you will know what astrology is because you find it in the very popular and common magazines, the U, the Heisgenwood, and all of those other things. When you go to the astrology page, it will tell you what your life will be like in the coming week or in the coming month. It will tell you how you must feel and how you must act. It will tell you what your name means. And many of us believe all of this nonsense. Astrology is the study of the movements and relative position of the celestial bodies and objects as a means of divining information about human affairs and events on earth. So everything that this movie portrays is the belief in the universe as the higher power, as opposed to the standard of truth, which is a person, which is Jesus. Amen? It brings the other alternative to that which is true. And you will be surprised, people, there are many believers in church, so-called believers, that still reads horoscopes, that still ascribe their lives to things that they can quickly uh, identify with. I have seen how many of you allowed Facebook to prophesy to you what your year will look like, and people liked it. How Facebook prophesied your character. Rian, your name means that and that. And then you would uh, reply, oh, that's so me. It means that you are so far from God. You copy and paste all the scriptures to, to seem that you are spiritual. But when the rubber meets the road, when you have to face your things in life, then you collapse under its pressure. Then Facebook cannot come and help you. 
That, that Facebook prophecies and telling you what your name means, all of that has to do with astrology and esotericism. Did you hear me? We must not be part of all of these things that the world subscribes to. Our hope comes from the word of the Lord. It is the engrafted word of God that is able to save your souls. In the current church and the pop culture, personalities have become greater than the truth. Personalities that has lots of money, things that they can make rules and make laws and that believers must ascribe to those worldly laws, those sensual laws. I want you to know today, saints, they can legalize something. Whatever their opinions are about a thing, if it does not measure up with the standard of truth, then it has no standard to it. It doesn't have a little standard. It has no standard. Because there's only one standard. And that standard is the Lord Jesus Christ. The standard of truth has nothing to do with what is logical, what is reasonable. Even if it goes beyond your logic, it doesn't mean that it does not exist. That standard, Ashley spoke about it today. I was so blessed when we, we visited Ashley and Clint, and uh, they had on their TV kingdomnexus.net. I love it when people go back to visit the, the teachings that we have preached on. Some people have forgotten. And, and it's just like we teach something and, and then the church is out. You don't go back to study and to review those teachings. You could see how Ashley was speaking here without notes. But you could see that she was full and she almost sounded like me. And people are still asking, Pastor, when are you going to teach us? But I'm teaching you every Sunday. No, Pastor, we want our own time with you. And I tell you that I'm available. You don't even have to come to me. Send me a WhatsApp. And so I believe if you have listened to all the teachings that you have heard from this pulpit, then you must at least have some level of maturity. Then you must at least come to the level of leadership already if you have truly listened. And if you have truly revised it and uh, deducted your own uh, information from it. Hallelujah. Amen. Truth stands the test between time and the eternal. Even if there are just 12 people that would subscribe to the standard of truth. That 12 people will satisfy heaven. That 12 people will satisfy heaven. It's not about the 1,200,000 million. It is about the standard. And God would be pleased if there is a standard in the earth. Standard of truth. Which is the standard of maturity. Where people come to represent the Father in their devotion to the Lord. How will you represent the Lord if you even... You cannot even come to church every Sunday. You believe that I must take off one Sunday or two Sundays because my problems are too, 
are too great for me. What is the maturity in your life? Have you seen in the wild how predators, when they would go on the hunt, they would look for the weakest one. They would look for the smallest one. They wouldn't go for the alpha. They wouldn't go for the ones that is in a group. But they would isolate one so that they can easily bring the prey down. When you isolate yourself, when you pull away from the word, you can be certain that uh, our adversary that walks around like a roaring lion will come after you. And the Bible says he seeks to devour you. Saints, it is better that you just stay at home and not hear the word. Because this word is going to judge you itself. Not me, but the word that you hear. I always say that. I always say, I, I hope you haven't heard that. Because if you didn't hear it, then you have a case before the Lord, but I didn't know. But now since you know, you cannot be excused. You can hear that the words that we speak are words that intentionally wants to bring you up, to make you stronger. So that when there is that remnant amongst us, that heaven will be pleased with us. That heaven will be pleased with this house. So that heaven can give the treasures of heaven and release the things that we have been asking and searching the Lord for. Because now there is a standard that heaven can come and abide in. Hallelujah. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 14 about the word. Remember it says, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word. And it speaks about Jesus that was the word. But in verse 14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld its glory as the only begotten of the Father. Full of what? Grace and truth. You see, the word became flesh. When the word is spoken to you, there is a requirement of heaven for that word to become flesh. How? In and through you. Where that word must become mature. Where that word must become the exact representation of the Father. Amen? When, when, when truth comes, it doesn't exist alone. Truth doesn't come alone. Because when truth comes alone, it can be destructive. Truth needs grace to come with it. Because grace and truth balances each other out. It's not that the one diminishes the other. It is that the one needs the other to be effective in its purpose. Amen? Jesus makes a reference about the spirit of truth in John chapter 15 verse 26. It's, he says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth. And now there's another scripture that speaks about the spirit of error. But here he speaks about the spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now I believe that the word 
that should be used for when the comforter comes, although comforter is the correct word, I believe that the word that will give us a greater idea of what Jesus speaks about is the word advocate. I think in some translations it says when the advocate comes. What is an advocate? It's a legal advisory. He's a lawyer, a counselor, an attorney. It's also an apostle. And the words in this scripture, when the ad advocate is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. Now these are all legal terms. Truth, advocate, legal matters, legal advice, which proceed from the Father will what? Testify. Witness. These are matters of jurisprudence. Matters of law that Jesus speaks about. And the Spirit of truth will not testify about you. He must testify about you. But he will testify about me, Jesus says. Because I am the standard of being faultless. I am the standard of being not guilty. So if any man be in Christ, the testimony of that man is the testimony of the standard of being not guilty. It's a matter of law. And so it is legal that when you are in the Lord, legal in the heavens, in the deepest parts of the earth, that when there's testimony that is about to be given, that testimony is about who the Lord is in your life. What will the testimony about you be when you are brought by the accuser of the brethren? Because the Bible speaks about him in the book of Revelation. Now salvation and power and the kingdom of our God has come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before the Lord night and day has now been cast down. You must know that there's uh, this accuser that always stands ready to bring all kinds of accusations against you. And he does not come in his appearance. He will use other people to accuse you before the Lord. Oh, but he's a leader in the church. Oh, but he's, he, he proclaims to be this and that. And there's all these accusations. The word accuse is the word categorio. And it's where we get the English word category. Category. It means when you categorize something, you put things in order according to their design. You categorize it. The cups are here, the spoons are there. The socks is here, the coats are there. You categorize something. In a way, you bring division to it. But the plan of the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, is to bring division in the house. Division amongst the people of God, division amongst brothers and sisters, division amongst fathers and sons. That is the plan of the enemy saints. And we must be very alert and vigilant when we see these divisions happening amongst us, amongst us and amongst our loved ones. The way that you pray at that moment is to bind the spirit of accusation in your home. Stand up against it. 
and declared that the testimony about you must be the testimony about the standard, the testimony about Jesus. Romans 8 verse 14 says, They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. The word sons of God there, and I'm, I'm really getting into the maturity part of the message. The word sons of God is the Greek words weos theos. And it means the mature sons of God. There are other references in the scriptures that speaks about son in the form of technon. Which means that you are still a child. But the desire of the Lord for his sons is that they become mature sons. When you are a mature son of the Lord, you can now be led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads you in the decisions that you must make. The Spirit of the Lord will not just lead you, but He will also bring restraint to you. And many of us need the restraint of the Lord because everyone wants to be famous. And people will go after fame at all costs. People will sell their soul to the devil in their quest of becoming famous. But when the Spirit of the Lord indwells you, the, that Spirit of God will exercise restraint upon you. He will say to you, this is not your place to be. This is not your time. This is not for you. Be patient. Be diligent. Work hard. Your day will come. But when there's no restraint, you will try and achieve things in a moment, in an instant. And people that has no restraint are not content with where they are. People that has no restraint, people that are not led by the Spirit of God, are always in competition subconsciously with their neighbor, with the Joneses. If they have it, I must also have it. I want to tell you, saints, that is a better place to be when you are in competition with somebody else. Because you will never have satisfaction of accomplishment. I have seen a lot of people, because of the spirit of competition, who has lost everything because they have gone into so much debt that they couldn't keep up with it. Let us come to that place of being mature sons of God. Let us come to that place of being the exact representatives of the Lord. Our representation of the Lord is the highest form of worship. I'm not saying that don't sing to the Lord just because I can't sing and I'm jealous because you, you can sing. I'm not saying that. You have to understand that uh, there, is, there is a higher order and singing is part of it. Oh, sing unto the Lord, you his saints. We have to sing unto the Lord. But that is not the standard. The standard the barometer, the benchmark is how we represent him so that heaven might be pleased with us. Hallelujah. What, what is maturity? Maturity is based on slow, careful consideration. You don't just buy a house because pastor bought a new house. You don't just buy a BMW because your best friend bought a BMW. Slow and careful consideration. Do you know I get to the same place that you get to 
just with my what they call start to pick. When, when you know that your life is not judged by what you own and by what you have, but by who you are, you would have come to that place of maturity yourself. Maturity is having completed natural growth and development. It also speaks about the ripe fruit. And so every one of us must go through times of maturing. That fruit on that tree has to go through its times of ripening. It's times of maturity. In the Hebrew culture, a person, a man, is required to be mature when he reaches the age of 30 years. And that is why the beard, in the Hebrew culture, the beard spoke of maturity. You could not wear a beard if you were a teenager. You could not wear a beard if you were 29 years old. You are only allowed to wear a beard when you are 30. And so the reason why they pulled out the beard of Jesus on his way to the cross was because they were indignant about his maturity in the things of the Lord. And they did not and they could not accept such a, a, a man to be matured when, it's, when he's measured up against the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin. That's why they pulled out his beard. There are people that are 30 years old, 40, 50, that are still not mature in their dealings. You still want to do what young people do. You still want to be a teenager. You still want the fast life. You still want to paint the town red. The moment you have money in your pocket, you lose all sound judgment. There is no more careful consideration. But when there's no money in your pocket, you want to fast and pray and seek the Lord. You are fasting and praying not because you want to seek the Lord. Because there's no food in your cupboard. And now you want to call it a fast. Let some of them make it a fast. No, God cannot be mocked like that, saints of the Lord. We must mature, not just as believers, but as people. There are many over 30s here. You cannot still play the childish game. You cannot still act like a child. The Apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I acted like a child. But now that I'm a man, I have put away childish things. Put away your childish things. You get upset when people don't greet you. You get upset when silly things happen all around you. You are still immature. And you are not part of the harvest of the Lord. You are not part of the standard of the Lord. You are not part of the standard of maturity in the house of the Lord. Listen to this. Maturity is not measured, measured by age. It is an attitude built by experience. Maturity is when a person hurts you and you try to understand their situation rather than hurting them back. That's what maturity is all about. Luke 10 verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore 
the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, this is a scripture that must be uh, prosecuted to get the gist of it. When the Lord speaks about the harvest is truly great, our religious mindsets thinks about the 25,000 churches. It thinks about the people that must be saved. It thinks about the people that are lost. But you have to know, when the Lord refers to a harvest, it speaks about a ripe crop. It speaks about a mature crop. The thing that has matured, that is the harvest that the Lord is looking unto. The Lord is not looking for the masses. Yes, He loves the masses. But for, for heaven to open up and for heaven to be pleased is for the remnant to be mature. That is the harvest. You can say that the harvest are those that are led by the Spirit of the Lord. Those that exercise the restraint of the Spirit of God. That is the harvest. And it says here, the harvest is truly great. That's where we get our misunderstanding about it. The, the word great does not do justice to the text. It should be the harvest is ripe. The harvest is not the many. Because it's only a ripe harvest that can be reaped. And when he says the laborers are few, the word few does not denote few in number, but in measure. Measure. The laborers have no measure. You see it in the general church today. There is no measure in the laborers. The measure about the laborers today is that the laborers are after profit. And they use the people to enrich themselves. There is a lot if we have to count them. Man, there is too much laborers. If, I, if I'm talking about the general laborers. But when we talk about the laborers that has measure, it is a different concept. And those laborers are not the ones that just stands on the pulpit. The laborers are the mature sons of God. The Bible says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will send men that has amplitude, aptitude, capacity, ability, into his harvest. You don't just send anyone into the harvest that can quote Genesis 1 verse 1 and John 3 verse 16. You don't just send any immature man into the harvest. Because the harvest, because it is matured, will swallow him up. Do you know that the kingdom of God is a living entity? It continues to grow and evolve. The kingdom of God is not a static entity, saints of God. There is always growth about it because this is the attitude and the attribute of life. Life automatically and naturally brings growth and development and maturity. And although the kingdom of God has come, the kingdom has come in its maturity already. But it is the growth of the kingdom that causes it to keep on coming. It is the growth of the kingdom that 
that is said of it that it will come. It's because it continually grows. Now, the kingdom of God is so powerful that if a church only ascribes to the kingdom in word, if people ascribe only to the kingdom in word, but not in deed, not in maturity, not in representation, then the kingdom itself will crush you. And you will think that it is a spirit of Leviathan. You will think that it is a, a spirit of Python. And you'll rebuke that. But it is because you talk about the kingdom and you cannot love the kingdom. You preach to people, but you cannot fellowship with them. The kingdom itself will crush you. It's not just something we talk about, but it is something that we live. The kingdom of God is not a place that we go to in the natural, but it is a place that is in us. doesn't come by observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? Are you getting something this morning? I'm giving you a principle to start off your new year with. That will help you so much. And it is a principle that people won't, won't reward you for. For upholding, for keeping, for ascribing to. But it is something that God will personally reward you. I always say to the Lord, Lord, it's good to get gifts from men and rewards from men and thank yous. But I want the reward of the Lord to be my portion. And I say to him, Lord, even if I have to wait, I will wait because I know that when you reward, your reward exceeds the bounds and the boundaries of men. Hallelujah. Everyone wants a harvest, isn't it? Every one of us here today, you've said that this year is your year. Everyone wants a yield. Uh, and, and it is a good thing. And I encourage you to be better this year than what you were last year. But not necessarily better in material goods. But be better in your character this year. Be better in your personality. It will help you to deal with material goods. In fact, when you mature in your character, in your personality, you will want to give away those things that you hold on so tight to. You will want to give away those things that you thought were your highest ideals and aspirations and goals. You will want to give it away because now you have found something so much more precious and it is the pearl of great price. Amen? Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 8.22. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. As long as you are on the earth, there's a process called seed time. And you have to now that you want these things to manifest in your life, you have to ask yourself, did I plow when it rained? Because you can ask the farmers, they will not plow the ground if it did not rain. Because the ground will be dry and arid and rock hard. It will be difficult to dig in and through the ground. But when it rains, it's the best time to plow. How many times did the word of the Lord rain upon your life? In whatever matter, 
When the word comes to you, there's a jump in your heart, a leap in your spirit. I must do that. I'm going to do that. And in your heart, you make commitments unto the Lord. But when you do not pull through with the commitment, it means that you did not plow in the time of plowing. And when it's time for the harvest, time for reaping, everyone is reaping and you too are going to reap but you find nothing. It's because you did not plow. There is a process, plowing, and then you scatter the seed. Amen? And so in our context, when you must plow is when you hear the word. Today, many of you, the Spirit of the Lord convicts you of many things. And I don't know the full measure and the full extent of it. And it's like there is an agreement with your spirit when the Lord speaks to you. And, and somehow you talk back to the Lord, even in your silence here this morning. And I want to encourage you to, to go through with what you commit unto the Lord. Amen? Seed time and harvest. When the harvest comes, it is not time bound. That's why the scripture just says harvest. Not harvest time. Time is a short period. But the harvest of the Lord is an eternal concept. It is a harvest that is not measured by the eye. It is a harvest that is not measured by the standards of time. But the standards of the eternal. This is the harvest that we must be after, saints of the Lord. And not the harvest of material things. You, you know it. When many people speak about, this is my year of favor, overflow, increase. Ask them, what are you talking about? No, this year I'm getting my car, getting my boyfriend. I'm getting this. All material, selfish things. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. That's found in John 4 verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I want to ask you today, the beginning of this year, what are the things that you need to finish? What are the things that you left undone? Relational things. Things with people that has been undone for five years, ten years, thirty years. You still don't talk to your sister. But you Karabashanda, Suzuki, Kawasaki, Honda in church. <laughs> Things that you carry around in your heart. People, grudges, hurts, pains. They have hurt me. And now you've become an introvert because of those things. Sometimes you just need someone to listen to you. You just need an ear so that you can release all of those toxins and poisons in your spirit. And say, I just need you to listen to me. I need to get all of this hurt and the pain out of my life so that I can now move forward in this life. So that I will not be stuck. Tell them about the lies, the lie that you have lived. Tell them about how you try to be this person, but you are really not that person. There are things that we must uh, divorce ourselves from. Things that we have left undone must be finished. There are actual things. Some of you have started to clean your yard, but you have not finished it. Some of you have started to paint, but you have not finished it. There are things that must be finished before you can go into the next season and the next journey of your life with the Lord. Finish it, saints of the Lord. 
What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It is accomplished. We must be people that finish things, that deals with it in quick order. Hallelujah. You still cannot go through this life still smoking this year, still drinking, still being angry, still being jealous, still doing drugs. You still cannot come to church, but you don't want to change. If you don't want to change, we cannot change you. But here we will preach the undiluted word. You still cannot go through life with all kinds of vices. You still cannot be hooked on pornography. You still cannot be a grown man but plays games the whole day. There are things that you must stop. There are things that must finish in your life. It's now five years. You still haven't got a job. You must get a job if you are a man. If you are going to look after your family, get a job. And I'm speaking this for the people on the tape. You must be ruthless in making a success of your life. Do not wait for handouts. Do not have a beggarly mentality. Do not wait for someone to make a way for you. No, you become the way. If you can just do the best that you can with the little that you have, I want to promise you that God will do the rest. Remember that widow woman and Elijah, the little oil that she had. Just give that unto the Lord and the Lord will bring the overflow. The Lord will bring the increase. These words this morning are filled with power. It is packed with weight. If you can just drink from the fountain of life, you will never thirst again. You have to say in your heart, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. There is a story that Jesus relates to his disciples in the book of Matthew chapter 13 about how the sower and the farmer went out to scatter the seed after he plowed. And uh, when the first blade came out, the laborers saw that the blade came out with tears. And they asked the farmer, should we harvest the blade? Now already that's inconsistent with farming. You cannot harvest the blade. You don't have a crop yet. They had the idea that the tares was going to kill the harvest. And the farmer said, let them grow together. And I want to read the scripture here in Matthew 13 verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, maturity, ripeness, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now you can see that the, the farmer allowed both the tares and the wheat to grow together. And many times in the house of the Lord, there are tares and wheat. You have to make sure that you are not part of the problem, but you are part of the solution. Every time your name comes up, it's a problem. 
Every time we hear about you and people talk about you, there is ill feelings. There's feelings of sadness. I don't want to deal with this. You must be part of the solution. You must be a benefit to the house of the Lord, your community, your own house. But whenever you are the problem in the house, then you are becoming like the tares that the parable speaks about. And the farmer says, gather the tares first that they might be burnt. And so the Lord will allow both to grow together. The harvest is the mature crop. It's the crop that's ripe. The immature or the unripe crop will not survive the process of reaping. When the reaping comes or when the reaper comes, there is actually a grim reaper. Those stories that you read, there is a grim reaper. The reason he's called the grim reaper is because the act of reaping is a violent act. And if you are not matured, you won't be able to handle the reaping process. You can be certain that when reaping comes, because everyone in the world is now asking the Lord for a harvest. Everyone. And the Lord might just hear that. And the Lord might send the reaper. And so that reaping process is a painful process. So before the harvest can be gathered into the barn, there is this reaping process that takes place. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Do not fall on that side that needs to be burnt, young people. Because God is no respecter of persons. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Remember that there is a process in the maturing. You are going through your process. And it is good for you to, to hear the message of the process. It is good for you to come under the speaking of God's word. So that you might have a, a smooth process. The process makes the, the fruit more palatable. I want to be palatable. When I speak, when I'm in people's company, I want to be palatable. I want people to uh, enjoy me when I'm in their company. The process of maturity also makes the fruit sweet. And I want to believe that I'm a sweet person. I'm not a bitter person. Have you ever, have you ever met people that are always bitter? You, you pull your face because of the character in them. In fact, you don't want to be with bitter people. The process makes you acceptable, agreeable to the mind and the feelings of others. When you are matured, people love having you around because of your wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Many people find it difficult to describe wisdom. You know what understanding is. You know what knowledge is. But wisdom is the skillful application of knowledge and experience. Wisdom does not just come by learning, does not just come by knowledge, but wisdom comes also by experience. When you sit amongst old people, they might not be as knowledgeable as you, but their experience can help you through difficult times. Amen? 
And so wisdom is something that needs to be applied. It is, it is not wisdom when it is, when it is not applied. Then it's just understanding. But God wants us to apply wisdom. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs numerous times that wisdom is the principal thing. Because it wants application. It, wants, it desires that you now do something with the word that you have received. Because you have grown in the word. Now become a living testament, a witness about that word. When you are, when you are and, I'm, and I'm, I'm landing the plane, when you are matured, you are not proud. You are not pompous. You are not bombastic. You are not conceited. Our greatest harvest must be in our character. Our greatest harvest must be in our character. Our character or personality must become a standard that will feed the people. Just our maturity, saints. Do not be like a person that is rebuked or disciplined and then he runs away and fights and he becomes prodigal. But accept discipline as the Bible says, as a mature son of God. Receive discipline. Receive the rebuke of the Lord like a mature son of God. We must guard our character more than our reputation. If we are after reputation, then we will not be matured in our representation of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6 and 7. However, we speak wisdom among those that are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So we see how the Apostle Paul says, when he speaks the wisdom among mature people, like the word that I'm speaking this morning, if I have to speak this word amongst the immature, you'll see people sleeping. Because it challenges your thought patterns. It challenges your perceptions all the time. The word is right there in your face. And it's like you looking into the mirror. And when you can't see your reflection in the mirror, it is a requirement that you must now come up higher in your understanding of this word. Amen? And these are the things that believers in this day must be after. There must be a connection between the spirit and the word. It's, it's called a baptism into the water of the word. Amen? Isaiah 11 verse 1. It says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. We are the branches. If you abide in him, and he abides in you, you will ask whatever you will. And then the scriptures also said, Yea, Psalm 23 verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then what does it say? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is the instrument or the standard of measurement. The rod is the instrument that brings discipline. The staff is the instrument that supports the discipline. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen? The book of Revelation, the rod is used as the measuring tape for the temple, for the house of the Lord. 
And I firmly believe that this is the season, and I've been preaching it since last year, not because it's a new year. This is the season where God will come and measure. He will measure individuals. He will bring his rod, the rod of discipline. And if you are weak, you won't, you won't be able to stand when the rod comes. But that rod also comes with support. There will always be support to the rod that comes. Amen? Now, I'm just going to quickly run through 10 maturity tips. One, realize that not everyone is perfect. Everyone has their own process. Amen? I'm talking about relational issues here. Number two, look at things from the other person's perspective. Don't be one-sided in your perspective. Three, be patient and forgive quick. Number four, this is what messes a lot of people up. Overthinking a matter complicates things more. You know, when you overthink what other people think of you, then all kinds of nightmares and all kinds of uh, restlessness comes because you overthink it. So in your process to maturity, don't overthink things. Don't overthink what they will do or say. Number five, be more sensitive and listen more. There are people that just talk all the time. But I want to say to those people, listen more and be more sensitive. In fact, when someone speaks to you, actually listen. Amen? Number six, have trust, have respect, and be sincere in your relationships. Consider the needs more than the wants. It's one thing to want to have something, but it's another thing to need it. Amen? So major on the needs and not the wants. Number eight, recognize that your words have power. In your, in your process to maturity, don't ever forget that. Words have power. You can say something today that can mess up a 20-year relationship just in one sentence. So count your words. Be careful what you say. Bible says life and death lies in the power of the tongue and he that loves it will eat the fruit thereof. The what? Eat the fruit. Eat the mature fruit. Recognize the power of words, number eight. Number nine, admit your mistakes. Repent. There are people that are too proud to repent. There are people that are too proud to come and say, Lord, forgive me, I have sinned. Admit your mistakes. Say, I've made a mistake. I need help. We always talk about this, how when people say that I need help, the one that says I need help is different from the one that just says, I'm sorry. The one says, I'm sorry, I need help. The other one just stops it, I'm sorry. But he doesn't want help because he wants to sin again next week. But the one that says, I cannot do it on my own, is the one that will make it through, that needs help. Admit your mistakes. Man, I'm not always right. And I'll be the first to say that I've made a mistake. And so it must be with all of us. A mature person will say sorry. 
I didn't live up to that standard. I didn't make it. I failed. Forgive me. That's maturity. And lastly, more is not necessarily best. That's the principle of the harvest. More is not necessarily best. And you must apply this to your own life. Amen? Talking about more material things. Things that we ascribe to as being successful. I want you to stand this morning. I want to pray over you. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to bless you this morning.